Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face And still another hundred miles to my next resting place Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon Within my car I'm all alone But feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to Hey now all, I'm Joey C. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa. This is the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me as always is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey Kelly. Hey Joey. Interesting episode coming up today. Yeah. Well, you know, I got a request. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when you make a request. Kelly, you are the Casey Kasem of the spiritual world. <laughs> love that. And I doubt many people are old enough to remember who that is. <laughs> this is a be careful what you ask for episode. <laughs> oh, we love those. We love those. So we're talking about shadow work today. Yes. You probably want a definition. Yeah, please. Can we start with that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you by now. You're going to be like, what the hell is shadow work? You know, the reason it's called shadow work is literally looking in the dark spaces inside of you that you don't want to look at. Okay. It's all the stuff that you hide away in the corners and shove down into the basement and you know don't really want to look at. And you label with boxes to say accounting avoid. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're an accountant, in which case it's, you know, paints and, and you know, yeah, supplies exactly. or whatever. <laughs> whatever it is, it doesn't work for you. And uh, it's, it's literally the act of looking at the stuff that you don't want to look at. Okay. A lot of people talk about it from a lot of different angles. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see it listed out in the spiritual community, it's often a, a function of, oh, we're going to, you know, do this shadow work in our, you know, ritual space sort of thing. Okay. Yep. And you often see it listed in retreats and things. But, you know, it's actually, it's the core of the work that I do in the world. When it comes down to transformation, you don't transform unless you do shadow work, because that's the stuff that holds you in place. And we've talked loosely about it. We've mentioned the word, but we've never really described it when we talk to things like resistance and stuff like that and getting Mm -hmm. into shadow work. Yeah. So uh, I was talking with a, a student of mine recently, and he was having sort of monkey mind screaming at him. Okay. And no matter how quiet he got, it would just be like all over his ass, right? It's just like <laughs> slamming down on him. And um, this is one of those things that can indicate a piece of shadow work to be done. Because when you have found a place of stillness and you lose it, okay, mm-hmm. up until you find it, it's not necessarily this. But if you find it and then you lose it, it's because your brain had a thought that was going to take you down a path into a shadow piece that you went, oh, hell no, I don't want to look at that. And the rest of your mind complied by going, oh, look over here, look over here, look over here, look over here, ATT hell. <laughs> yep. It's like bing, 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 squirrel. And that, if it happens consistently... That is something that you're avoiding looking at. Okay, but how do you shine the light? Right, right, right. So that's the hard part, right? <laughs> so <laughs> the the thing you have to do is you have to uh, meta your awareness such that you are in observer mode in your own mind, mm-hmm. and you can then 
roll back your thought process. So this is going to take a while to do, right? Because you, you have the thought and then the cascade of crap comes at you and you don't realize you're in it until you're in it a little ways. And then you have to be able to back out of it. And sometimes you've gotten so far in it that you can't back out. So it's going to be a process and, and you're going to suck at it initially. Just be aware. Uh, but as you get better, as you catch it faster and faster, that's the thing. It's that each time you'll catch it a little bit faster then you'll catch it just before you do it and you'll do it anyway because of the momentum we talked about in one of the other episodes, right? Yep. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to roll it back far enough that you can catch the thought that happens before the cascade hits because it is the thought that happens before the cascade that is causing the cascade. And that's where the shadow work is. You're effectively going to instant replay mm -hmm. so that you could see what you were thinking about just before... You went off the off the rails. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Now, it's not the only way you find shadow work right. by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, anybody who's done therapy knows that part of therapy is going into the shadows of mm -hmm. your of your life. Right. And so, you know, it's looking at the trauma. It's looking at the angst and the upset. It's looking at things. Mm -hmm. But for it to be effective. You have to be willing to look at it with new eyes. Right. I've told the story before about my mom and her mother saying, don't let her come in. She'll get blood on the floor. Yeah. And my mom not recognizing her entire life, despite being a nurse later in life, that it was a shock response, not something about her mother disliking her. Right. This is the sort of thing that you have to really look at with new eyes in order for it to shift at all. Yeah. And so, you know, there's, there's places where sometimes we can do that on our own. And sometimes we need somebody else to come in from the outside and go, Am because, you know, you've had this definition of it for so long in your life that it's gone beyond belief and into assumption. And when you're in assumption, you don't even question it. Right. And so, you know, sometimes you need the ahem moment from someone else yeah. to drag it out of assumption and back into belief structure. So shadow work is very much about learning to accept and integrate all the parts of yourself, even the ones that you wish weren't there. So I want to kind of go back just to touch on two points that sort of popped into my head here as you've been talking. One was with regards to the work we do while we're doing uh, personal growth therapy work, stuff like that. And with... In therapy, you have those new eyes in the form of the therapist who you're working with to help sort of guide you down into the into the shadows to do this work that you need to do. But when you're doing it alone and you have these, you know, as you mentioned, the ADD moments sort of bouncing you all over the place. We've talked about this before with sort of the internal resistance things and, and trying to keep itself alive. Does this have anything to do with ego stepping in here to sort of make this more difficult to get into the shadows? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. What do you, who do you think it is that's running the monkey mind? That's what I was wondering. It sounded a lot yeah. like ego there. Yeah, it's absolutely the ego running the monkey mind. You know, the ego doesn't want to die. The ego goes, oh, if you have that thought, well, then, you know, everything might change. And, oh, no, we can't come down that road because then I might not survive it. Right. I'm getting my Southern on here. Yeah, that was pretty pretty excellent. <laughs> you got to drink some sweet tea now. You'll be all set. Bless your heart. <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's very much about the ego kicking okay. in. And, you know, <sighs> 
you know, we we're over 80 episodes in and yep. there's not going to be anything that I haven't talked about at least a little bit. So yep. I'm going to repeat some stuff because we're 80 episodes in and you've probably forgotten by now. So <laughs> unless you're Joey, who's paid to remember. <laughs> But actually, no, but it just does remember he's young. You can do that shit. Um, but when people go into a shadow process, one of the things that they really try and do is they try and go into a release mode way before they're ready. Okay. Because it's a, Oh, I don't like this. I'm going to throw it away. All right. Let me throw it away. If I can throw it away, I don't have to look at it. I can get rid of it. It'll be okay. It's not mine anymore. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. So release mode is effectively that point where you're letting go of stuff. You're just sort of throwing it away. Uh, well, actual release mode is letting go of something that you have already processed mm-hmm. and integrated into yourself and you release the angst and the upset about it. And you're like, okay, yeah, I'm done with this now. Okay. And it's, it's a, it's a completion. It's a marking of completion of the work being done. But most people go up to the releasing fire and try to throw away the shit they haven't dealt with yet, or that they've only dealt with a little corner of. (laughs) And they're like, okay, I dealt with it. It's okay. I'm just going to throw it away now. (laughs) If it still makes you uncomfortable, it is not time to throw it away. (laughs) Hashtag bad penny. It's coming back. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's it's so funny. Energetically, you just you watch people walk up the releasing fire and throw something in. They turn around, walk away and wham, it hits them in the back and it comes out <laughs> of the fire. And I'm just like, well, that was a waste of time. Yeah. If it still makes you uncomfortable, if it's still something you don't want to deal with, if you're letting it go because you're trying to get rid of it, it is not time to be at the releasing fire. Okay. Releasing fires or for things that you're like, thank you for the work we've done together. I so appreciate you. I feel complete and I let you go. Right. right? And no, you cannot force that moment. I can hear you out there going, well, if I walk up and do it that way, it'll be okay. No, it won't. (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) (laughs) You can't fake it. This is the part where people either grow or they don't. Data work is that place. We talked about spiritual bypass, right? We talked about the white light and bunnies, right? It's like everything's happy and nothing is sad and everything's good, except that it's not. And it comes and bites you in the ass. Right. And so that's the shadow work is the stuff that comes and bites you in the ass. No matter how hard you pretend that you're okay, you're not okay. Right. If you're having to pretend that you're okay, then you're not. And you just need to turn around and look at why you're not. Right. That's the only path out. There is no magic pill. Shadow work is the magic pill. Unfortunately, it's not a pop and drink and you're done. Yeah. You know, it's a process. It's a little bit of castor oil. Yeah. <laughs> you put it down and stuff comes up. <laughs> Shoot it down and stuff throws up. That's yes. exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shamanic process right there. It's like, wow, it's coming out of both ends. Ah, as shamanic. There you go. And after that scatological reference, here we go on to the next piece. Let's talk about dissociation, shall we? Yeah. How does that fit in? <laughs> Bethany, it's all your fault for recommending this episode. (laughs) Okay. So when Bethany asked this question about shadow work, and she wasn't specific. So if I didn't answer your specific question, Bethany, I'm sorry. um, You know, if you have something more specific, put it in the after party group on Facebook and we'll, we'll answer it there. The question also came with, can you talk about dissociation as a function of spirituality and spiritual practice? And that actually is relevant to the shadow work conversation. Okay. And that's because dissociation 
it's a psychological term. Roughly, it means to remove yourself from your experience of the world, to separate yourself from your experience. And, you know, it's very much associated with the observer mode that Mm -hmm. we talk about. Although observer mode is sort of halfway to complete dissociation because a complete dissociative episode can have you be completely unaware of what's going on, what you're doing. Hmm. So observer mode is pulling yourself out of the experience and stepping into the space where you get to watch it happen. Dissociation is stepping out of the experience entirely and abdicating responsibility for your body. Okay. And we had talked about observer mode as being a helpful tool to allowing you to get a better perspective on what's going on. Whereas this is, I think that was a great way. Abdicating responsibility is not necessarily a a very productive way (laughs) to view what's going on. No, but it does happen sometimes when people go into some of their shadow work. Right will occasionally happen where they'll just be like gone and people will say, oh, they're trans. And it's like, "Mm, sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes they're just disassociated. (laughs) Sometimes they're dissociated. And it's a matter of pulling someone back into themselves Mm -hmm. to, to bring them back into the experience. But, you know, when someone is so triggered that they dissociate, the last thing you really want to do is put them back into a into whatever the experience was or cause them to dissociate in okay. the first place. So you want to take them out of the environment that triggered them right. and bring them into a safe space where they can come back into themselves and then you know have a conversation about that. Right. And you may want to bring a mental health professional into the process at that point. Yeah. Because if you're dissociating at that level, the trauma is so high that therapy really is called for. Right. That's not something that the average person is going to probably run into. Certainly not as a practitioner if you're facilitating for other people. Mm-hmm. If you are someone who has dissociated in the past and who is likely to dissociate, it would be a really good thing to tell people if you're going into a transformational sort of environment so that they know that that's possible and they can monitor you to make sure that they don't trigger you at that level and that they can back off if it looks like it's getting too much. And I got to think that with that that sort of blurred zone that exists with with transformational coaching and things like that, that you'd step on the occasional landmine and you have to know every now and again how to keep yeah. people safe in that in that environment. Yeah, it it happened a little bit more earlier on in my process than it does now. Okay. Just because, you know, after 25 years of doing it, you start to recognize things. Right. But Every now and again, it can happen. Something happens out of the blue that something, and sometimes it's something that the person themselves didn't even know was there. Right. So, you know, or you uncover something in the process that is from a past life or, you know, something new, a new piece of information that just sends the person flying. And, you know, you do the best you can with what you have Mm -hmm. and you make sure the person gets the support that they need. Ultimately, in this work, we are on our own journeys. And so what you as an individual can do is start to pay attention. If you're someone who tends to dissociate, the dissociation is a reinforcement of the belief structure that you can't handle what's in front of you. And so if you want to be able to stay present to what's in front of you, then you can do some um, what's known as mental toughness exercises. 
to reinforce your ability to trust yourself to be able to cope. Mm -hmm. Now, let me be really clear. If you have active trauma, I don't want you doing this. This is not for people with active trauma. Nothing I talk about on this this podcast is for people with active trauma. Active trauma, go see a therapist, be kind to yourself, do it slowly. Don't try and do this stuff too. Right. It's it's hard enough. Yeah. Okay. So if, if you've got active trauma, this is not what I'm talking about. Right. If you have processed your active trauma with a therapist and you're now working on the residual stuff and you have a habit of dissociating and a story that you're not strong enough, then the mental toughness exercises can really help. Okay. And this is what you've called before the wounded well. The wounded well. Exactly. We're working on things that are difficult. We're working on things that are dark and ugly to look at. Oftentimes, because a lot of what I'm dealing with with people is emotional abuse, because it does not leave physical scars, and because it's not obvious to everyone and often goes unwitnessed, it's very difficult to admit that it is as damaging as it has been. Okay. It's not uncommon for people to go, well, my childhood was pretty good, but to still have all the markers of having been through a challenged childhood. And it's because they were the black sheep or they had a parent who was unreasonably perfectionistic and you could never please, or they just didn't get noticed at all. And so while nothing was bad, nothing was good. You know, when you don't get noticed, when you don't get paid attention to, when you don't matter or you feel like you don't matter or you're never doing anything right, no matter how hard you try, your environment is unsafe and therefore you will have these markers. And so when you're dealing with stuff at that level, and that's the shadow work in this space, when you're dealing with that stuff, the hardest part initially is just to admit that it was bad to admit that it had a negative impact, that it was in fact abuse or neglect, and that you have a right, no matter how bad somebody else had it down the street, right. you have a right to feel unhappy about it, to feel sad about it, to feel hurt. You know, However it is that you're feeling, you have a right to your feelings. And so that's really the, the basic starting point for all of this work is being able to say, hey, wait a minute, that ain't right. That's not how it was supposed to be. I didn't deserve that. Yeah. That's the beginning point for shadow work when we're dealing with the challenge childhood. It's okay. being able to first admit what happened. And so for those of you out there who are thinking, mm, maybe I'd like to do a little bit of shadow work and just sort of dip my toes in, writing down the experiences from your childhood that caused you to feel unsafe would be a good way to start a little bit of shadow work. So it's sort of a post-journaling kind of thing, recalling those memories. It's about creating clarity about the past because we have a tendency, especially if our family story is happy family, even when it wasn't. Right. Part of the gaslighting was, oh, we're a happy family. Everybody's happy. It's hard to hold your own story separate from the family unless you really get clear about absolutely everything that wasn't quite right. Yeah. If you have a fear of being vulnerable because every time you said, ow, somebody poked it harder, that's abuse. If you got hurt and nobody was there to kiss your boo-boos and nobody noticed that you were in pain, that's neglect. Now, our parents are not perfect and they're not, they're not required to be perfect. Right. They did the best they could and 
it doesn't change what your experience was. So I'm not saying go be angry at your parents. <laughs> right. I'm saying be honest about what your feelings were. That's a great point. And I'm glad that came up here at this stage of the conversation because shadow work isn't about assigning blame. No. It's actively counterproductive to assign blame. Exactly. So this is this is work that's not about figuring out whose fault it was that you right. have this this work that needs to be done. It's about processing through. Right. And I think that's key because a lot of times when people get into that state, they're like, oh, it wasn't my fault. It was my parents' fault or it was my teacher's fault. They start to assign blame in this space and that's not what this is intended to be. Yes. And sometimes we have to assign blame to admit that it happened. Okay. It's like rape survivors go through the survivor stage before mm -hmm. they go into thrive. Okay. For some people, they can't get fully over the wall in one jump. They have to get up onto the wall and then down on the other side. Right. And so the challenge with abuse patterns or neglect patterns is that we initially assign the blame to ourselves. Okay. And ultimately, that's not incorrect. Ultimately, we are responsible for our own experiences, but not at the level that we're looking at them initially. Right. The inner child going, I must be unlovable. Right. That is not the level at which we are responsible for our experiences. That is, that is an inner child being very sad that they had a bad experience and that they felt unloved. And so initially, sometimes it's helpful to hit the blame button and say, this wasn't me being unlovable. This was my parents' being less than adequate. And if you can say it's my parents being less than adequate despite trying as hard as they could right. and make allowances for it, then it'll be easier for you to let it go when it's time to go down the other side. But if you can't, fine. Just do it on your own and not at them. Yeah. <laughs> because So I want to put a, a caveat on that too. If you have handed your power over to your parents repeatedly by blaming, because that's what happens when you blame, Yep. And by asking for approval, then sometimes it's necessary to, you know, have a good talking to with them and say, you know, this is what wasn't okay for me mm -hmm. or whatever it is that you need to do in order to take your power back. Sometimes it's sufficient to journal it and tell them in the journal without having to tell them in person. And if they pass, you can write it down and write them a letter. Ultimately, what we need to do is bring it inside of ourselves and say, I didn't get what I need, not you didn't give me what I need. And so that is the final step. And whatever path you have to take to get there is your path and it's fine. Yeah. Try and do the least amount of damage along the way is the only caveat there. Well, and there's a lot of caveats in shadow work because there's a Absolutely. lot of personal yeah. we're, uh, we're giving a very simplistic yeah, very simplistic perspective right and i think it's important for people to know that not everybody's experience is going to follow a script especially right. in in doing the shadow work it's going to be very personalized to their past traumas their past experiences and how they're built and constructed at this stage of their lives to process them and what yeah. they need to do all right this was a great ask to get deep into this by Bethany. Thank you, Bethany, for this. This has yeah, been thanks, really cool. Bethany. Very cool. It's all Very Bethany's cool. fault still. <laughs> it's still her fault. <laughs> the still. good and the bad. <laughs> but as Kelly said, if Bethany, if we didn't answer your specific questions or to everyone else, if you have any questions that this has raised for you, the Facebook group is a great place to ask those questions. The Spirit Chirpa Podcast After Party Facebook group, you can go there and join and be part of the community. And if you're already there and have some questions, feel free to throw them into the group, ask and... Kelly will answer them or 
who knows? We may get a whole nother. Well, that's a whole nother episode. So we'll see what happens yeah. down the line. Other than that, I think this has been a really interesting episode. Is there anything you want to add as we roll to the finish here? Well, if, if the thought of doing shadow work really appeals to you, uh, we haven't talked about the Mastering Spiritual Evolution program in a while. Great point. It is there and available for you. It is 10 years worth of personal growth work in a single year. Yeah. So it is very efficient. Mm-hmm. And it is a very personalized program. It's high touch. So there's three calls a month. There's a Facebook, a secret Facebook group. We max out at like 15 people on a, in a group. Yep. And we've got online content. You get 389 pieces of content right now in, in the program for the year. And, and uh, that also includes the Foundations in Energetics program and the Inner Peace 101 program that are listed on the website. Uh, actually, Foundations in Energetics isn't listed. <laughs> <laughs> Comes with it. It will be soon. We're, we're launching a new website shortly. If it's something that appeals to you, then sign up for a discovery call. Yeah. You know, the discovery call is free. It gives you a chance to talk about what's going on for you. Uh, and you know, you can get some direction from me and some advice. And if you want to talk about the program, we can talk about that. And I'm happy to answer any questions you have. Excellent. I got to tell you though, when you said, um, if you're somebody who is interested in doing the shadow work, we haven't talked about, I thought you were going to say, we haven't talked about people being masochists in a while, but you said mastering (laughs) spiritual evolution. So I kind of went off to the side a little bit there, but I think they, they both work. They both work but in that case. You. So I totally expect it. <laughs> well, we talk about being I, spiritual I, masochists. I do have to say one thing, though, because um, I, I had one of my students started in October and called me up in you know, like five weeks into the program and, and said, do you have a lot of change that happens? Do people generally have a lot of change? And I was like... Yeah, you know, they tend to make some pretty significant shifts in the first six weeks. But, you know, your, your mileage can vary. It depends on the person. And I said, why? She said, well, I'm looking at my, my uh, self-assessment that I filled out at the beginning. And she said, I don't recognize the person who wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't recognize them. I, doesn't, I, don't, I don't know who they are. I feel like I exaggerated and I know I didn't. <laughs> and it's like, well, yep. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's part of it. <laughs> that's what integrating the work can do. And that's just five weeks in. Yeah. So imagine what a year is going to look like. Yeah. So that's super cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things. If you're ready for big change, it's might be the right fit for you. If you're not ready for big change, it's definitely not the right fit for you. <laughs> All right. So there's another thing you could do folks sign up for discovery call, talk to Kelly and uh, see if, see if there's something, a place for you to fit, including that mastering spiritual evolution program that we've talked yeah. about couple times. Well, that's all that we have for this week, but be sure to join us next time as Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Joey C. here with Kelly Sparta, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, everyone. Each mile I travel over 13,000 now, so I'll leave behind a little fear. Spirit Sherpa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under Creative Commons BY-NC-ND 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to creativecommons.org. Any request for deviations to this licensing should be sent to K-E-L-L-E at K-E-L-L-E-S-P-A-R-T-A dot com. That's Kelly at kellysparta.com. To sign up or to get more information on the programs, offerings, and services referenced in this episode, please go to kellysparta.com. This episode of Spirit Sherpa has been produced by Honu Voice Productions. 